We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith podcast. Burnley versus Newcastle United preview. Newcastle are playing away from home, so obviously it's televised. Monday night on Sky. Uh, still be a sold out away end as usual for what is, lads, our local derby. I f- fucking hate Burnley. I always have. Small club. You know, who to think that they are is, is our local derby game this year a mere like 100 miles away or something. Um, is this the big one for you, Si? The big one with, with Burnley? Uh, no. <laughs> Not at all. Um, oh, I was a bit good it was moved because this could have been a, a nice successful away game, but Monday night's no good for no good for me. Um, uh, we're Burnley in the league. I've not really expect much research. From Eighth or ninth? Lads. I've just come in from work. The only thing I do know <laughs> is that I know that Rafa's min, so you'll get plenty of that. But other than that, I've got I've got very little facts for you. Um, well, I know a little bit about Burnley. Luckily for you, Sai, I've got absolutely loads of facts about Burnley. So I've I've done the job for two. I do really hate Burnley. I was just trying to add a little bit of Sky Sports hype into proceedings oh, there because obviously they're our closest game. So with you know Sunderland's. There's like more chance of fucking I don't know Gateshead playing in the Premier League before Sunderland at the moment anytime soon. So we're going to have to oh, search just, for. Oh, we're just pretending Huddersfield don't exist now. Or... No, Burnley are closer than Huddersfield, aren't they? Oh, no, they're not. not. As the crow flies, I believe they are. <laughs> um, let me see. You've got to go. You've got to go past Huddersfield to get a Burnley man. Well, they they so, don't count. Right, let's do something properly then, Norman. Um, I'll throw some stats at you, then ask you a question because I need to shoehorn them in at some way. With Newcastle United not being particularly free scoring away from home, albeit the Southampton game was very positive in that respect. Um, do you see this one being a classic first goal wins because Burnley have only managed to score? Well, I've got Burnley have managed to score. Two goals in four ham games this season, but I presume I mean home games. I don't know what ham games are, but two, two, only only managed two in four home games. Burnley this season, and actually, if you go if you go back to last season, they've only won two of the last eleven at home. So, where do you see this one going, Norman? Yeah, it's interesting that the home thing is like this. I suppose this myth last season that Burnley were brilliant at home. I mean, they weren't that amazing. and they picked up most of the points at home, but uh, they did finish sixteenth. The one. They won ten, drew three, lost six. So they are they are beatable at their place. Um, they had some decent results against some of the bigger sides. So obviously that's that they're the games that they get themselves up for. Um, yeah, just looking now. I mean, they're they're a bit like us. They just they just don't concede many goals. They've conceded nine. We conceded eight. We've scored ten. They've scored eight. So yeah, I mean, first goal. If we if we get the first goal, I can see us, us winning. If they get the first goal, I think that Rafa's got. Got the um, the ability to, to make changes. I mean, it just depends when they score. If they get one, if they get one in the first half. I'll still be con- confident of us coming back. Um, but I don't anticipate it being you know a free flowing end when game. I mean, Burnley. Um, and you know what? You can't deny that they just done a, a really good job there, um, given the resources at the club. I mean, they get they've got a, what, a stadium that, that I think it holds like twenty thousand. Yeah, he tends to go for. Um, players who we've got a bit to prove coming up from the championship, maybe. I mean, Stephen Defoe was a was a bit of a wild card, really, because he can he can really play. But I've looked at the the last three games. He's, he started with the same lineup in each game. Um, it looks like he kind of plays a sort of five three two three five two or even four five one. Um, and it's going to be a game of, of very few chances. Um, and I just hope that we we get the first goal. 
Um, I mean, it, it kind of feels like it's got nil-nil written all over it. Monday night on Sky, nil-nil. But um, you know what? We'll, we'll get the goal. We'll get the first half goal and we'll, we'll get the result. You know, Burnley at home this season, that, um, as we said, only scored two in four. Against West Brom, Burnley had 20 shots on goal, which is a lot. Zero on target. So we know they like to shoot, but they're really bad at it. Um, in fact, in five of their nine league games this season, they've had two shots on target or less. So they really don't trouble goalkeepers uh, at all, to be honest with you. I know the last time, Si, when we we drove down to Burnley for midweek game 2014, time flies, I'm pretty sure Rob Elliott was in that night and he made a couple of good saves, actually. Um, George Boyd scored one from outside the box, though, so <laughs> I'll not say any more than that. Um, was was that was that ones each? Ones each when Mike Williamson was so bad, he had a hook uh, him at, had a hook him at half time. A bit like Dejan <laughs> Lovren at the weekend, he was just like, nah, we've seen enough. Um, did you know, lads, as well, Sai? I was going to ask you about this, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you throw this stat your way. Newcastle haven't conceded a first half away goal since Ipswich away in April. No, I know there's oh, been. I, I, I like to call that a bit of a blip as well because nobody saw that coming. Ipswich absolutely hammering with when they had nothing to play for. <laughs> um, so uh, wh- why, like, why do you think, Sai, Newcastle are so hard to score against, particularly, well, just just in general, not just away from home. Well, uh, we all know Rafa's a Rafa's a very disciplined manager. He knows how to set up a defence, but we actually have, we have got a good defence now. Um, We've got we've got four centre halves and who none of which you'd be disappointed in seeing the starting lineup for a start. Um, I'd like to see Lejeune and Lascelles just because of the form they're in. But if either Clark or Mbemba found their way into the team for this, you wouldn't you wouldn't be bothered, would you? Um, Mankilos look good. Yedlins look good. Like we just we just look so solid defensively, and now we've got we've got two brilliant holding midfielders to to um, to choose from, as well as Shelby who can who can put the graft in. Like we're just we're just a good team now. Like, it's been, it feels like so long since I've been able to say that, but we're a good, solid team. We'll defend from the front. Perez chips in. Like we're just not going to give anyone chances. It's it's really, it's really refreshing. Yeah, it is. It's it's lovely. Um, and I think I think one of the the best things about us is we, we start well. I mean that start there and introduce that start to kind of lead on with the idea of was you know even even the defeat at Brighton we started that game like a house on fire and really should have scored and. That's so positive, particularly away from home. You look at uh, you look at Southampton. I know Southampton had the ball for like three minutes. We were laughing when we were watching the match. It like we didn't kick the ball until about three minutes in. But if you look at the first twenty minutes of that game when we scored against Southampton, it really wasn't against the run of play. So no. yes, being defensively sounds fucking mint and so unlike the Newcastle United of our adult lives or watch our what whole lives pretty much. But um. We also give ourselves the best possible chance by starting games really strong and not letting the opposition in the games, um, and not letting the opposition kind of dictate how the the game's going to go. Um, well, we'll just let them. We'll let them have the ball. I did. I did actually do. I had a little look at um, Burnley's last home game, which was against West Ham, and they had something like seventy percent possession. I know West Ham had a man sent off, but that's perfect for us. They can have as much of the ball as they want. Like, it just just plays into our hands. Yeah, I mean. It's quite funny, actually, um, considering Newcastle haven't had a player sent off against us at this level since like the 1926-7 season. Burnley have played against 10 men three times this year, all fucking ready, like share, share some of it around, lads. Um, so they've had, a, they've had a good start of the season, Norman. Um, like, where, you know, Do you think that Burnley are, are kind of one of the teams we'll be in and around competing with this season? Or do you think, from what you've seen so far, there's a chance that we're probably a little bit superior? I think... I think we're, um, I think we're, I think we're superior. I think Burnley, they give you the impression of being one of those sides that will, um, they'll get to 35, 40 points and then it'll, they'll just tail off a bit like, um, a bit like West Brom, for example. They're, they're kind of that, that well-organized, um, hard-working side who, who will, you know, they'll, they'll put all the graft in for the first sort of four or five months of season, and then and then they'll be safe, and that'll. That'll be the possibly the limit of their ambitions, or like um, our job done. Um, the only one of the things I'm, I'm I've kind of been loosely thinking about on Monday is that there are rumours about um, Dice going to Everton. I don't know if you've heard this. And I, I mean, I can't see it happening, but the rumours are still there. And he's actually made a statement saying nobody from Everton's contacted me. So part of me likes to think that might might slightly unsettle him. It'll give us a bit of a, a bit of an edge. Um, but the reality is, 
we we should have the edge in anyways. In that, if you look at the you look at their squad of players, and there aren't many. Um, if if any, really, I would swap for for ours. Swap as in in the first eleven. I mean, they've got a couple of players who you definitely have in the squad. Um, and as I said, Defoe's an excellent player, but he's he's quite temperamental. Um, I think in terms of um, their ambitions for the season, but I mean, uh, it, it's really it's really difficult to say. They've, 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 would you say they're an established side in the Premiership at the moment? That's, that's still establishing themselves. So I think, yeah, as I say, they, their ambitions are being limited, and I think we'll I think we'll finish above them. Um, I think they could do what they did last season. They were they were kind of hovering around mid table until the last sort of four or five games, and. I think, like you said, they won what two out of the last eleven, and they ended up they ended up in sixteenth place. So I can I can see similar things happening for them this season, and I think we'll we'll be well away from the bottom sixteen, uh, from the bottom sixteen, <laughs> yeah, the bottom five. <laughs> I bottom agree, I agree Norman. I definitely agree. Top four. Yeah. There's forty five teams in the league. We'll be away from the bottom sixteen. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't I can't particularly disagree with any of that. I think there's some logic as well. Um, one of the most impressive things for me about Southampton is that we're would clearly moved on from the Brighton game. I know it's, again, like Sai alludes to, it's a different game in the fact that Southampton were always going to have like sixty to seventy percent possession. We're always at Brighton. I'm not sure, but I think it might be one of those games where we actually had more of the ball. Um, from the start, you said it against West Ham, Sai. Uh, how I don't know how this one's going to go. I mean, do you think Burnley are going to play in our hands that easily, or do you think Burnley might uh, try and? You know, play play counter attack as as uh, as the no we str- you know we struggle to break teams down, like Brighton um, when we don't and Huddersfield when we when we're given the ball. Obviously, that it's a different kettle of fish because those two games, John Joe Shelby wasn't playing. How do you see it going? Side, do you see it going like Burnley dominating possession and us doing our thing, or, or will it not be as straightforward as that? It's I, I we said this before the um, Huddersfield and Brighton games that that just on paper. We're just a better quality team. We shouldn't need to do that. We should need. We should be comfortable having more of the ball. And you'd like to say the same thing here, but I'm, I've learned now that that's probably not not the way we'll go. We will just we'll, we'll we'll have the same game plan. Let them have the ball because we know we know they're not really any threat. And realistically, we'll have no shots or one shot in the first half. And if and if we get a break, we, we could nick something. We open up as the game goes on, as we do every time. And you know, if it's nil nil at half time, I'll be pleased. Because you know that by second half, once a team starts to get tired, we've got the we've got the the players, we've got the pace, we've got all the things you need to try and see like nick a game in the last twenty minutes, which we've done quite a few times now. Yeah, Norman, just part of what you were saying before about Dyche being linked with the Everton job, which he definitely is. I believe he's favourite for us. Um, hilariously, a few years ago when we were decent under Pardew in eleven twelve, when um, <laughs> when we played Spurs away, like. In the days before that match, like the Friday before the five thirty kickoff or the five fifteen, whatever it was, then on the uh, on the Saturday, Redknapp like got out of his ridiculous court case with his dog opening bank accounts somehow, <laughs> and and the, all the crack was it was like he's definitely going to Everton, uh, Everton, um, what do you call them, England? He's definitely going to England. Will will, will his mind be on this? He's not been with the players all week. Five nil, five nil to Spurs. I believe it was three nil inside twenty minutes. So, um, different teams, obviously, that Spurs team, to be fair, Redknapp, uh, were a good team. Can I just go off on a total tangent um, about Redknapp? Have you seen his pattern this week? Even even for Redknapp, the old crook, like, you know QPR being done for this financial fair play, and they're talking about points deduction, um, which could see them relegated. Redknapp's been asked about the role he played in it, and I think I'll have the tweet here. Redknapp's... Uh, Redknapp's response to that was that he actually went up with QPR with the majority of the side players were already there, according to Redknapp this is. So this is Redknapp's quote. They weren't players that I brought in. They got promoted with a team of players already there. It was only one or two signings that I made. Uh, QPR fan account Loft for Words has said, here are those one or two signings in full. Asua Kotto, Charlie Austin, Yossi Benayoun, Tom Carroll, Javier Chavanton, Kevin Doyle, Richard Dunn, Carl Henry, Aaron Hughes, Jermaine Genus, Will Keane, Nico Crancia, Mbido Maiga, Raval Marissa, Gary O'Neill, Aguchian Weyu, and Matt Phillips. That's Harry Redknapp's. I only brought in one or two players. How these people get away with it, how he has the balls to just lie like that, is incredible in the internet age, but that that's a total aside. Um, do you think... Do you think <laughs> 
do you think he even do you think he's even aware of his own utter ridiculousness as a human being? I mean, <laughs> it's just. He's a, he's a rent he's a rent a quote, isn't he? The media love him, and it's almost it's almost one of those where he, he convinces himself that like he hasn't done certain things and he has done others, and and it's almost like he's, he's convinced by his own lies. I mean, it, yeah, he's, he's pretty he's pretty staggering, really. And um, lot, I mean, I just hope he never returns to football. I don't. I'd like to see him take the Sunderland job. That would be pretty good. <laughs> he's uh, what he was touting himself for a job this week. Actually, I can't remember which one. Was it not Yeovil? Was, is he not coaching down at Yeovil? No, he's, 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 he's helping out at Yeovil. Um, helping out? But, uh, you know, one of those, like Tim Sherwood, uh, what do you call it last season at uh, Swindon? Swindon. I, uh, you know, I'm not the manager. I don't want any of the flack, but I'll take all the praise if it goes well. That that kind of job. Back to Newcastle United versus Burnley, because we've gone off on a bit of a tangent there. Norman, there are normally only, there's normally only one question these days regarding selection, and, unless Rafa throws a curveball with like a, you know, a selection on one of the wings, which I can't see. Um, who starts in the midfield two for you? Oh, God, there, there it is. Um, I've got Marino Shelby. Just, just put them in. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we saw on Saturday, and obviously Hayden was, you know, Hayden was really effective away against Southampton, but I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be a different kind of game. Um, I think if we've got, if we've got that creativity in the midfield from, from Marino and Shelby, and obviously, Marino playing alongside Shelby kind of frees Shelby uh, to go further up pitch because as we saw against Palace before Marino came on he was pretty much lingering on the edge of his own box to try and collect the ball and, and make and move and then the moment Marino came on Shelby shifted up the pitch and, and the, the dynamic changed so I'd like to see that against what's what's kind of like a fairly pedestrian um, Burnley midfield um, I'd like to see that the, the question I've got for you two is um, Hossolo up front or Mitrovic up front <laughs> um, Sai, go on. Hoslow's been very, very quiet the last couple of games. Sai, well, you know, there's no way in any world that I'd want Mitrovic to start, but I, I suppose you can, you can, you can bring up the debate again. I, I, I agree, Hoslow's been quiet, and it's a shame that Gale's injured because it might have been a chance for him to, to see if he could get back on the team. But I don't want to see Mitrovic playing. Fair enough. Yeah, it's <laughs> no one. I, I, I do understand the argument because Hoslow has been kind of I mean it's it's one of those things like do you think do you think Mitrovic would have had any more chances in the last few games than Hossel it's not like Hossel was missing chances is it? I know I know he was but it's not like he's been given any chances is it it's like I don't know I mean I don't think I don't think Hossel isn't holding the ball up well I think he is I don't yeah, think I he isn't linking up with Perez well I think he is on the rare occasions they get the ball up to them um so I don't I don't necessarily see how that is and if if um if Dwight Gale is still injured, then I would much rather have Mitrovic coming off the bench, maybe making that impact like he did against West Ham, than Hosselu, who possibly doesn't seem to me to be a great impact substitute. Um, I don't know. I think for all criticism of Mitrovic, and there is plenty of that, considering you know his disciplinary record, particularly, um, it's it's one of those where if if he did it on Monday, I think we'd all just back it obviously and think well you know what he's probably shown something in training he's probably a little bit hungry but I think you'll go with Hosselu. Um I think that Hosselu would have to start missing chances pretty badly before before getting the hook for, for Mitrovic what would you do Norman? Um, I, I, would, I would stick with Hosselu. I mean I suppose there is there is an argument to, to maybe rest Hosselu or you know um, Take him out the side just to give Mitrovic a, a chance to prove himself. But I think against against the side managed by Daesh, the moment that Daesh finds out that Mitrovic is playing, and, and I hate saying this because you, you, you don't want to think the worst, but I think Daesh is the kind of manager who just say, "Yeah, get into him, wind him up." Just, I mean, yeah. that, that that'll be that'll be it. I don't think I don't think Hossler was the type of player who would react in the way that Mitrovic would to like a you know a second minute um, challenging someone, shouting shouting obscenity in his face. So it, it, it's a shame, but um, as you say. I think we'll see Mitrovic come off the bench at some stage, and he, and he could he could do some damage. But I'd start with Hasselhoff definitely. No one, well, not no one. I'm sure there are loads of people more than us. But I'd love just to reiterate what we've said several times the last few months. I'd love Mitrovic to to just go through a period of four or five games now, either from the bench or starting. No Bugans, no square offs to players, no reasons for like to give his critics, which include us reasons to shake our head and think for like for fuck's sake mate grow up 
if you could just do that and get into the Christmas period when the games come thick and fast, which you were saw last season, once we get into that period, players will start getting into red zones with the medical team. He will get his chance, and it would be so nice for him to get his chance when we where people like us and other sections of the fan base aren't going to think Will Mitrovic is starting and the first thing you think about he's not going to get sent off is he or he's not going to do something you know I mean, like Oxford away last season when he had a really bad game and missed loads of chances Mr Penn that didn't wind us up as much as the fact that every two minutes he was kicking off with the Oxford centre-back um, you know he's 23 now or whatever um, 22, 23 it's you know he's just got to grow up so you know, let's let's hope this is the start of 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 his running the team either from the bench or in the te- or in the starting eleven, where he just he, he does just think I'm just going to show what I can do at the highest level, and if any Arsenal centre backs want to try and wind us up, the best way to show them what I you know the best way to shut them up is by sticking the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, yeah. I think you're both you're both hitting me on the head there. It's like it's rough and rough and can't trust him for ninety minutes. It's too much of a risk to start a game with him, but I think he can do some damage. And you're right, this is his chance to because he will get he will get game time. Hopefully, he hasn't. Hustle just looks nagged after seventy minutes every game, so you'll you'll keep getting chances while Gale's injured, and this is a chance to even just twenty minutes here and there. If you can show that he's matured a bit, then yeah, there may be hope for him. Yet who knows? So, sorry, lads, I pulled that. That was a, a question on the midfield, and I uh, I took it off at a tangent. So yeah, Marino um, and Shelby in midfield were definitely for me. I also agree with that. I think we all do, and I think I don't think Isaac Hayden did anything wrong against um, Palace. It it wasn't his kind of game, um. But you know, Marino coming on and scoring, and like Norman, you alluded to, coming on and changing the balance of the midfield, and and that and therefore the flow of the game because Shelby started getting forward, was started to look a lot more dangerous. Um, I think we'd all love to see everyone here anyway, and on this in this conversation, would like to see uh. Marino play with Shelby and, and allow those two to really foster um a really like a partnership because the more they play together the better they'll get as a partnership uh, the better they'll understand each other's game etc so I think we'd like to see that if uh, Isaac Hayden gets the shout then then that'll be great as well I'm sure he'll do a good job I don't think there's there's anywhere else you know, the team kind of picks itself at the moment the two fullbacks are looking pretty solid I don't think Hamas is going to get a, a surprise call up I don't think Mbemba is going to play left back. Um, I think the team is pretty stable. Obviously, the goalkeeper, the the back two, kind of pick themselves at the moment, and then you've got Atsu and Richie, and I think we'd both be would all be disappointed to see those players not starting. So I started day saying, I um Matt Richie has been involved in forty percent of only Castle goals this season, so he is Mister Irreplaceable at the moment. I think in this side, although you could argue Shelby is because of the impact when when he didn't play. Um, but yeah, I think Matt Richie size probably working. Is way into one of my favourite Ernie Castle players. Where do you stand on him? Oh, I t- totally agree. But as soon as he starts saying stuff like undroppable, Rafa will definitely just drop because yeah. <laughs> he cause he always pulls out that surprise. I think there will come a point where he's played too much football. I think we mentioned it last week. Um, Rafa's Rafa's mentioned both Richie and Atu, and they didn't they didn't go away in the international break because they played too much football. You will you will need to rest him, especially with Christmas coming up. It's Jacob Murphy will start getting some game time at some point and. You'll want to do it before the Christmas fixtures, you know, to get him match fit. But not yet, not yet. I just want to see more of Richie because you're right. He's been, he's just, he's just, he's so good to watch. He's, he's the perfect mix of, um, of just you know, flair. So we all love a flair player who can take on a man. But he's a bit Raj, but not like an. He's not like Mitrovic Raj, where he's a liability. He's just the right kind of like just gets the team going. And even when we're when we're playing badly, he's the one kind of lifting the lads. He's just, he's just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And and with regards Richie being being Raj, like you say, he is. But it's it's almost like it's it's kind of like a controlled like Rajness. He, he he kind of makes a point, you know. So if there's um, if he's frustrated, he'll he'll go off the handle. But it'll be like it'll be kind of self-contained. He make his point without going like way overboard. Whereas Mitrovic, it, it, when he loses it, it's not controlled. It's just bang. He just snaps, you know. Um, and yeah, as for him being one of your, one of your favorite players. I, I have to agree. He's um, just seeing him on the pitch. Even even if things aren't coming off for him, it doesn't affect him. He just ploughs on and ploughs on and grafts, and it's it's really really good to see a player like that in a black and white Yeah, the the big difference between uh, the Richie kind of Raj and the Mitrovic kind of Raj is <laughs> Mitrovic is, is all for show. He's doing it deliberately to, to almost show off and to, to to make to make some sort of point that nobody gets. Whereas Richie clearly he just can't control himself. 
you just you just get so absorbed into the match that you just he goes nuts. <laughs> I'm pleased we've uh, managed to define levels of Raj on a football pitch. Probably at first for the podcast. Important stuff, though. I've actually. I take back what I said about factual accuracy. <laughs> I'll I'll probably have to reevaluate me um opinion of Matt Ritchie because I've just forgotten, lads. He's not from Newcastle, so he's a fucking prick, and I want <laughs> oh, him to leave the club as soon as possible. One, yeah. he's, he's, he's from down south. We don't like southerners. Get no, he's, get he's Sammy back. He's from, he's from Essex. So. Get Sammy back from Bolton. Get Adam Armstrong up front ahead of Hosslew and just sack off all the lads. Sack off Jamal. Um, for I don't know Stephen Taylor, bring him back because we don't like Makes anyone. Sick, Hi. Makes you sick all, all these foreigners like Matt Ritchie coming up in Newcastle. <laughs> Taking in that team, and that could be that could be a Geordie lad in the team. It could be. Disgrace. I think there was quite a few Geordie lads in the nineteen eighty eight eighty nine team. How did that turn out? <laughs> like, <laughs> Spectacular. Yeah. Um, Controversial. Is, is there anyone in the Burnley side that um, that you two kind of think would cause a little bit of damage? I think Chris Woods, Woods a really good player, and I'm disappointed that I say I'm disappointed we went in for him. That's like the understatement of the century. I'm disappointed Mike Ashley decided to hang Rafa Benitez, Benitez out to dry in his constant efforts to sell the club. So it's it's like say I can't say I'm disappointed that we didn't go for him. I'm disappointed that Ashley decided to fuck over the manager. But he's definitely a player who you know if you look at Hosloo for five, and I like Hosloo, but you look at Wood and he's already got a few goals um, and he, you know, he missed the start of the season as well with Burnley I think he's already got two or three Premier League goals despite missing the first two games um, I think I think I'd be really pleased did I call him Matt Wood there Chris Wood I don't know who Matt Wood Chris is Wood. Chris yeah. Wood um, yeah I said Chris Wood the first did time did I aye aye who knows what's going on it's, <laughs> it's nearly the end of the week um, I think he's a slight injury doubt so I'd be delighted if he wasn't playing who's the guard Sam Vokes Sam Vokes aye yeah. He's alright. He'll, he'll get a couple of goals this season. Yeah, ten goals last season. Yeah. Um, who else have they got? I, I don't even know who plays for Burnley. Jack, Jack Cork in midfield. Brady, Robbie Brady's a decent player, I think. He, he puts, he, you know, he puts a shift and he can make things happen. But um, I think, uh, I think, I think we're stronger. And yeah, it'll be. I, I would a, a draw. For, I, you'd always take a draw away from away from home. Cliche as it sounds, but. Um, there's no reason we can't um, can't get that goal and uh, and, and beat them one 0 You've got such confidence these days, and I know Southampton was a little bit of a a different kettle of fish because you know it was an, it was an interesting take I think by Dermot Gallagher. You know these old refs who just put themselves about like on a Monday, just like Monday is referees' day. Like referees from years gone by just pop up all over the media criticizing their colleagues, <laughs> criticizing the lads doing the job these days. But um, Dermot Gallagher made the point that Shane, Shane Long's pen, he reckoned it was a dive because he just kicks the ball out and falls over, even though he is caught. So I think I think the Southampton game is a bit of a, you know, we got, I think the ref got conned there, even though if it was us, you'd be screaming for a pen. If we score, you just, it's like, it's like against Palace. Norman, like, there was no way we were going to concede after we scored. No way in the world. So you like to think if we get the first goal, and it's a big if. But if we continue, if we start the way we did against Southampton, there's no reason why we shouldn't win this game. Of course, you'd take a draw, of course you would. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of really hoping we're clinging on to this, like, top eight position we've managed to find ourselves in. You know, looking down the table, you know, Brighton are in 11th with, with a three-goal swing. You know, even a, even a negative result this weekend would see us stay where we are, kind of in that kind of top top nine, I, I think, um, or top ten. Before uh, before play Bournemouth next week, so I definitely think we need to be going in positive. And let's face it, one defeat in seven Premier League games, which was at Brighton. There is only haven't looking at it. It's there's only there's only a few clubs that can match that level of consistency. You know, Spurs, the top three are, are, are one, but you know everyone else like we we are just now becoming the the Premier League's difficult team to beat. So you know, long way that continue, and as long as you're difficult to beat, you will win games because if you don't score goals. You give yourself a chance every time. It's a it's a spoiler for me, match report, dogger. But can you remember the last time Newcastle only had one defeat in seven? Match preview. I hope you don't know the result of the game, side because that would be uh, weird. Did I say did I say preview? You said report, but never mind. I'm being pedantic. Uh, the last time you in the Premier League. Yeah. Presumably eleven, twelve. On a pardew. Um. Incorrect, Norman. Oh my. One in seven, or like, because the last time, yeah, the last time I had one defeat in seven games. Oh right, I thought you meant to start. I don't know why I meant that. Um, um, well, it wasn't part of you. So, I mean, 
In the Premier League as well, obviously last season didn't count. We couldn't have been, it couldn't have been Hutton, obviously in the Premier League. Um, God, I mean, what Keegan? <laughs> Keegan, Kevin Keegan. It was. Um, we had our name. It was for um, 16, uh, 18 months ago, Rafa Benitez in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We lost. Well, we went unbeaten the last six games. Oh, he's so good, man. Oh, uh, then we lost at Everton on the last. Was it Everton we lost? No, who did, on the last day of the season? We beat Spurs five one. We beat Spurs five one. Well, man, I'm thinking of Keegan again. Sorry, two, Keegan two thousand seven, two thousand eight. We had a, a long unbeaten spell, didn't we? And then we lost. Uh, lost at Everton away in the last year. Oh, three nil. When all was not well in the camp. Um, that's a story for another podcast, though. Probably. Um, yeah, but I think so. If you, if you combine those two, I think Benitez has lost what? How many games have we lost this season? Three. So three there, and we lost. Did we lose two under him when we went down? Um, Norwich, Southampton, Leicester, Leicester. So he's lost what, like six in seventeen. Not bad, but I think everyone listening knows that that he's not a bad manager, and we're not a bad side. Um, <laughs> and, not bad, Rafa. Not bad. Come on, then, lads. <laughs> before we we move on to another topic, uh, give us your your predictions or any other points you want to talk about ahead of this. Super Goliath Northeast battle. Oh, it's it's definitely a it's a not just a first goal wins it, but I think first goal will probably be the only goal. I reckon we'll win one nil. No. Yeah, I I go, go along with that. I'm I'm even going to put money on a scorer, and I'm going to go for a John Joe Shelby goal. Aye, nice one, John Joe Shelby. I think Marino's going to start some ridiculous run of outrageous like performances more so than he's already done and I reckon he's going to score again from a corner again because that's what the Sells did wasn't it with like that, that came in two so why can't this um I reckon Marino from a corner in a, in a 2-0 comfortable win for the uh for the Mags down in the north northwest on uh on Monday night I'll, I'll say Perez for the goal get in there Perez uh, we're going to win I mean that's the main thing we're, we're going to win if Marino and Shelby start which I think they will then Perez will just find himself in way more space yeah. Yeah. Let's hope Perez can continue his form from uh from Southampton when he scored that good goal. So lads, uh normal come to you first in this one. I read a really interesting article by Jacob Steinberg today. It's kind of it's not too controversial, it's what I think he's been saying for a while. Um that the money at the top of the Premier League is finally starting to kill the product, as it were, if you want to call it one of those stupid words like product. Um, where you look down the league table, and I think I, I kind of noticed this last season a little bit, if you look down the league table more and more, th- trying to find fans that are actually content and happy with life in the Premier League is becoming harder and harder. So obviously you've got Man United and City fans seem happy, Spurs fans seem happy, then you've got Chelsea and Arsenal, well we know Arsenal aren't happy for whatever reason, Chelsea up and down, Watford will be delighted, we're delighted, below that... You know, Southampton fans aren't happy they can't score. They weren't happy last season with 8th place. You know, West Brom fans aren't happy with Pulis. Leicester fans, Leicester just sacked another manager. They think they're in the poor form and not happy. Swansea fans aren't happy. West Ham United fans aren't happy. Stoke fans are incredibly unhappy. Everton fans are unhappy. Do you think that now that 8th place, you know, using Southampton as the example last season, do you think that because eighth place or seventh place, if you look at Everton, is literally the ceiling as far as clubs think they can get? Is it starting to affect the general mood amongst clubs in the league, Norman? There might be something that um, my take on it is because obviously you know Leicester did win the league two seasons ago. I it's an absolute anomaly, but it is sure that you know with with a bit of luck um, and things going your way, it, it could be possible. Um, you know teams can. Maybe you you might get an outsider coming up for the for the Champions League. I mean, it was only what fifteen years ago that we got in there twice. Everton finished in the top four uh, with a really kind of bare bones squad. I think what the issue is, and let's take Southampton as an example. Finished eighth last se- last season, got to a, a League Cup final, didn't score many goals. West Brom, the the, the manager Tony Pulis. I mean, he's the epitome of dull pragmatism. They're boring. They're a boring sight to watch. Um, Did you know he he, he played 121 league games and they've scored 121 goals? That's brutal. Absolutely brutal. um, It's hideous. They're a a horrific sight to watch. Um, So I think if you're going to be finishing between, let's say, 8th and 16th or even 17th, 
if you're playing entertaining football, I think that's going to keep people, you know, people interested. I think the problem is just after three or four years of all we want to do is survive. Main objective survival. How are we going to do it? We're going to do it by playing this really dull football. Then obviously after four or five years, that people are going to start thinking, what's the point? But if you're putting out a side to, you know, at least in your home games, play a decent attacking football and entertain the fans, that that might that might keep the fans going. Um, I just think people are. People are fed up being bored because ultimately the only end game for a lot of sides in the Premier League now because of the money is survival. Nothing else. It's like almost like they're not willing to take a chance with attacking football because they're too scared to lose. You see what I mean? They're more, they're more kind of set up not to lose as opposed to win. So it's just, I think it's probably just boring. I think as well in this, I, I think Sean Dyche is a good manager. Don't get us wrong. I think he comes out with a little shite about British managers and that. But parking that for a second... You know, you know, you said Sean Sean Dyche has done an unbelievable job. Last season, he got forty points, and that that in itself should be applauded. But the way the way people are saying, why doesn't Sean Dyche get a, a shot at this? Why doesn't Sean Dyche get? You know, the way Allardyce used to go on. It's almost in the British media. Survival is 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 like applauded. Like Tony Tony Pulis, there's been loads of people in the media sticking up for Tony Pulis now, and it's like. 10, 15, 20 years ago, those kind of managers were just like, I, you know, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think off the top of your head, Gordon Strachan with Coventry each year, keeping them up. No one was saying give Gordon Strachan the Arsenal job. Yeah. Like, no one would say that in their right mind. But next time Arsenal have a, well, I, I presume Wenger's going to be there till he's 165, and then he might take a sabbatical. <laughs> but like, when, when that job comes up, if it's given to a foreign manager, it'll be, and, and Dyche is still at Burnley and say that 12th. Why, why, like, it's almost like this culture of you must promote British coaches yep. for some weird reason. I just think that the the way that... The, I mean, Sunderland are a great example of this. They're a fantastic example of a club who year after year after year like celebrated as much as possible being shite and sk- staying up by the skin of your teeth. It's a celebration of mediocrity and, f- and of failure. And I think a huge difference between the two football clubs. I remember when John Carver... Um, Won that game against West Ham, Sai, If you remember, we we were part of a sit-in protest in James and James's Park, so we stood up on the last day of the season. And yes, the atmosphere was good, and yes, it was a good game, and Jonas scored and stuff like that. But there was about you know people will get upset with us here if I exaggerate. Let's say fifteen thousand people, ten fifteen thousand people stayed in that ground up to forty-five minutes for an hour to protest the was, the, the ridiculous I was, season. Yeah, I was flying home from. Oh, were we, we yeah. not there? Well, I was there with the no, other lads. I remember. I remember. Um, Getting off the plane and having to ask well, what was the score of the score because obviously I was worried as I got in the plane it was about to kick off. But I remember when I found out the result, it wasn't you know let's go nuts celebrating. It was like thank fuck for that and thank fuck the season's over because thank I fuck he's gone. Like, we were in the exact same spot. I wasn't happy. Football wasn't enjoyable with John Carver. If you remember correctly, I'd <laughs> I'd cancelled my direct debit for the first time <laughs> in your life. Uh-huh, I like, did remember. I, I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. So yeah, um, I there's definitely something in this kind of if you're part of just that that pointless pack in the bottom half of the table, eventually, you're just going to get sick of it. Yeah. Thankfully, we're not that at the minute. No. Like, exactly. The, the Daesh thing, to go on the Daesh thing, now, if, if I was an Everton fan, and Daesh was near manager, I'd be utterly uninspired. And that's not a criticism of Sean Daesh. It's just that, like you say, his record of Burnley is, again, it's of, a, of somebody who's done a good job getting them up, keeping them up on that budget is fantastic. But, he's... His football's not the kind of football you look at and think, oh man, I'd love to have that at War Club. Give him a chance. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just, it would just be a fairly uninspiring appointment. Um, and as for the Arsenal job, I mean, obviously Ian Wright was um, saying that, you know, someone like Daesh could be given a chance at Arsenal, which would, I, I mean, I, I think I'd probably have a huge coronary the moment that, uh, that was announced. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, they're just, the clubs that are managed by uninspiring managers. I mean, even, even look at Newcastle under, um, under Pardew, when Pardew was like, that, oh, well, you know, he got, he got you to 10, um, he kept you in the Premier League. But when it was bad, it was so utterly miserable. There was nothing happening on the pitch, nothing of any enjoyment. So it's like, well, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll keep going back every year because we survived and that we should be very grateful for that. Well, no, you shouldn't. If you're not going to push for the title of the, the top four, then you can at least try and entertain your fans. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think the looking at last season and the lack of competitiveness in the rest of the league from the top six, you know, I would say all the time Southampton finishing eighth on forty six points when in two thousand two three I think that would have got you sixteenth, um, 
or maybe it was 44 points but I, I don't know either way um, it means that even if you do finish 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th you're still going to lose more games than you win comfortably and you're still going to fail to, to to have those memorable results and like I, I think it was Mark Hewson who made the point this week in the media or on the radio or something that if you look at the teams that he beat uh, in the second half of last season the ba- he basically beat all three promoted teams at home and like Bournemouth or not Bournemouth there uh, someone else shite and that that's kind of enough if you have a solid start of the season and you get a 20 points you only need like four wins against the bottom four and a couple of draws and you're pretty much safe because it's 34 35 points now needed to survive so yeah obviously the antidote to this is Rafa Benitez's fucking brilliant machine of a team <laughs> uh, who are class and I think we'd all be buzzing with their place this season regardless of how many points we got but um, yeah I just thought it was talking about with you because it's agreed well the Rafa thing so this is the, this is the thing so like Rafa isn't going to be he'd get with, get with like what 35 points let's say but he's not going to have a squad of players switch off at that point which is what which is what it seems quite a few of the sides that you mentioned i.e. West Brom they, they do that they get, to the, they get to the points level and they just kind of switch off for the rest of the season like, like job done sound um, that was well, I've, I've, that would never happen Sorry to interrupt you, Norm, but just to come in there, I've no doubt that their, their bonus structures will be based around just that. If these lads stay up, you'll get your million-pound bonuses yeah. and then do what you want for the rest of the season. Like That's <laughs> the way that's the way any team in that kind of middle pack now is run because the money's so important to the people that run the clubs that the sign players on contracts that say the, the only thing you need to do here is is keep up and then you can have as much money as you want. Like, no, sorry. That's how it is. Because if you remember, uh, Mike Ashley's going to give all the Newcastle players a billion pounds to win the FA Cup. Going to Keith Bishop anyway, um, but uh, I right lads, I think that just about does it for uh, everyone's uh, Newcastle United Burnley preview. Even though we've gone off topic a little bit, we're all very hopeful, and I think so. We'll probably do a podcast straight after the um, after the match on Monday. So listen out for that. Um, if you haven't listened to Norman and Mark's patter about the nineteen eighty eight eighty nine season, I implore you to. Um, even like we weren't there, we you know I wasn't born. Neither was Sai, but it was an absolutely fantastic listen um, and a, a real education and, and very funny in parts about uh, a mental football club doing mental things, which, you know, things haven't really changed, have they? Apart from the manager who we're very lucky to have, so listen to that. So, lads, thanks very much for your time. We're going to have your, Burn- your Burnley guest now who I've asked some questions to, and we'll be back with you on Monday. So I'm going to leave you now with uh, my chat with uh, Dave Thomas, who is the author of 16 books on Burnley FC, um, which he has written as long as hosting several charity dinners, which have raised thousands of pounds for charitable um, foundations for the club. He's also written for the Sunday Times Educational su- uh, Supplement and had several short stories published. Uh, so he's a, a real expert on the football club, and I'll uh, I'll leave you with my chat with him. So Dave, um, the, the big news at the moment, apart from Burnley's excellent start of the season, is, is uh, the media connection with him in the vacant Everton job do you, one do you think he would take it if asked and two how much of a blow would it be if he did leave Burnley well I think he would take it if he was asked I think it's tailor made for him um, I think Burnley supporters would think he was a, um, an unwise move to go to Leicester but Everton with its own produced players and it's rather more homely and more stable um, uh, it's a more stable place um, is almost tailor made for him whether it goes there, different matter, because the latest news, I think, is that is it Unsworth has got four games to stake his claim. This is newspaper talk, of course, yeah. but he's got the four games to stake his claim. Good results, and the job's his, if that's to be believed. Um, what Burnley supporters would think if Dyche left, I think they would uh, not welcome the move, obviously, but he'd it, it, go with, 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 a, with a kind of a blessing. As opposed to Owen Coyle, who, when he went at Christmas in, oh God, was it 2009? I forget. When Owen Coyle left, um, <laughs> there were all sorts of subterfuges and things going on in the background, and he left under a cloud, and he, he will not be welcomed back in Burnley at all. Whereas if Dyche goes, who was always in been up front, always been honest. I think I don't think Dyche is in the same mould as Owen Coyle for a minute. Um, he would go with our blessing, as it were, because he's so up front and so honest, and 
He's, he's been here five years, and in that five years, he's done an amazing job. And he's always been honest in the sense that he always says he won't be here forever. But while he's here, he'll do the absolute best he can, and we, and we believe that. Whereas we believed Owen Coyle, um, <laughs> they turned out to be falsehood. A lot of what he said turned out to be um, misleading, shall we say. Whereas with, uh, with Deitch, what you see is really what you get. And, you know, the fact that the club stuck with Daesh after the last relegation, is is there a, a long-term vision at Burnley Football Club to to kind of grow into a, a long-term Premier League club? Or, or do, do the fan base and the owners still see, you know, relegation? Not that it looks like it's going to be happening anytime soon, certainly this season. As, well, as... I think, oh, I mean, maybe last... Well, for a start, we were amazed to get Deitch's first promotion. That was a magical season, the season of Danny Ings and Kieran Trippier. That was magic, totally unexpected. Um, we went down at the end of that very unluckily. Um, I'm not saying that was a sort of support. All supporters say, aren't we unlucky? But that was a genuinely unlucky season when over and over again, we, we, we came away from a game wondering how we'd lost. Um, the, the, next, the second time we went up, um, that was a, a different kettle of fish, that was hard graft, that was business-like, that was organisation. Um, not expected, but um, welcome all the same. And, and it was another great season, but a different kind of season. Result, we ground results out. It wasn't the same kind of magical season that the Danny Ings season was. Well, no, um, so this season, where we are now, Again, is a, is a surprise. When we looked at the opening fixtures and the first half dozen fixtures, especially the away fixtures, we just thought, oh my God, how do we get out of this? How many points are we going to get? And yet here we are now, is it nine games? And we're in eighth position with X number of points. And, we've, and we're a bit surprised by this. But when in hindsight, we're such an organised team and an efficient team, a determined team, it's in the Deitch mould then perhaps it's not so surprising. The, the, the big result, of course, the big surprise, was winning at Chelsea. Uh, that, that set the tone for the season, of course. We, I think after this start, we might be disappointed if it tails off and we go down uh, this season. In terms of long-term plans, yes, I'm sure the club does want to stay in the Premier League, does plan to stay in the Premier League, especially if, if we stay up this season as well. I mean, the, the more number of times you stay up, the more money you get, and the more likely it is that, you, is that you will stay up. So they can plan for that, although I'm sure it's a fairly definite plan, as opposed to, to directors thinking, well, we'll hang on if we can, and maybe we'll get relegated. Yep. Uh, Chris Wood signed for, I think, a record fee for, for Burnley um, in the, well, I think it was uh, in August, when once the season started. How was he adapted to life um, at the football club and is, is he now the, the main striker? Oh, oh, so is, that, is that Wood? Did yeah, Chris Wood? Chris Wood, I. Yeah, oh, good player. I mean, I live in Leeds. Oh, right. Um, so don't, don't ask me why I don't go to Leeds, but I don't. <laughs> I've lived in Leeds for many, many years, but I wouldn't... Uh, <laughs> put it this way, I won't set foot in the place. <laughs> so I'd followed Le Wood, the Wood career and the Wood's goals all in the, in the local papers, and he struck me, what a, what a damn good player, what a good opportunist. And so it's proved while he's been here. I think he's scored three goals, and um, he's, he's, he's won X number of points. Good player, powerful, and, and pacey as well. He's got a bit more pace than Barnes, and certainly a lot more pace than Volks. So Wood is a good acquisition, especially the price. Forget what it was. Was it fifteen million? Yeah, fifteen. I'm reading here. Yeah, bargain. <clears throat> Burnley's results. I mean, Burnley only lost twice this season. Uh, looking at the fixtures, once to uh, Man City at the weekend, which is no disgrace at all, um, and surprisingly by by West Brom at home on the second weekend of the season, who were who were down to ten men. Do you think almost now Dyche's team is is better set up for playing? away from home or is it just maybe the fixtures that you've had because you know wins at Everton very impressive uh, wins at Chelsea of course the draw at Liverpool who I know Liverpool have got their problems but at the time Liverpool were rampant um, and obviously the, the draw at Spurs as well do you think there's a 
a more natural inclination for Dice's style to, to benefit away from home, or is it, is it just a bit of uh, I think looks? it's just one of those things, 50-50. I mean, the defeat of home to West Brom, we came away from that game thinking, how the hell did we lose that game? Um, I'm not going to say we played them off the park, but it was a very undeserved defeat. The defeat away at Man City, well, I'm not saying they would have won that game, but the manner of the first goal yeah. um, was, it, was it, well, disgrace, if you like. I mean, I think Dermot Gallagher said he would have given that penalty. I think Keith Hackett, in one of his, in his newspaper columns, said he would he would not have given the penalty. Go back to Dermot Gallagher. He said he would not have given the penalty. I think Dermot Gallagher, what he said was that um, out of 100 referees, 50 <laughs> might have given it, 50 might not have given it. He would have been one of the ones that did not give it. So it's potluck on the day who you get refereeing. So we watched the clips afterwards of, of, the, of the dive and the jump and the, uh, and the incident. And I'm scratching my head to think how um, uh, the referee gave it. Especially as, in the nil-nil draw at home to Huddersfield, there was a similar incident when Wood was flying through and Hart clearly took his foot. No penalty given. So it's, po- it's potluck which referee you get. So, so whether Dyke sets up um, away from home a bit differently, um, it's 4-5-1. Sometimes he plays 4-5-1 at home as well. It all depends who you're playing. So I think, I think it's just potluck or 50-50 that the away results at the minute are a bit better than home results. In fact, the home results have been um, not too clever for several months, in fact. All right. So how do you see this game going? Will Burnley fans be, be targeting three points here against the newly promoted side? Um, I'll go for a 1-1 draw. We don't score many goals. Um, and again, it depends. It's, it's all down to look into the referee you get, the decisions, the incidents. Um, I, don't, I can't see Burnley playing you off the park. From what I've seen of Newcastle, decent side. Benitez, very canny. I'll go for a 1-1 draw. Yeah, fair enough. And it's this. I mean, depending on depending on results over the weekend before we're playing the Monday night. This is seventh versus eighth in the table it at the is, moment. Yeah, um, yeah. Where it's do a you, canny game, isn't it? Yeah. Where, where yeah, do you, where yeah. do you see Burnley? So one, one of us could go what fifth or sixth, even maybe. Uh, depending on results, yeah, fourth. D- on results elsewhere. Fourth, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both teams could go fourth on goal difference anyway. Um, but yeah, where where do you see Burnley finishing at the end of the season from what you've seen so far? What I've seen so far, well, what I've seen so far, we're on the halfway mark. And from what we've seen so far, and the number of points so far, if it carries on over the season, no relegation. They'll stay up. Um, Again, all depending on what happens to Sean Dyche. Mm. Will he stay? Will he go? You know, he's the flavour of the month. He's the man of the moment. Billich is on borrowed time down at West Ham. At some stage, one of these big, big, bigger clubs is going to go for him and appoint him. And it's a question of would Dyche fancy working in London? I don't know. I've, I'm, I've, I've a hunch he would love to go work. I have no idea. I have no inside information. But I, I can certainly see him as a good fit at Everton. Leicester, oh, poison chalice. <laughs> Keep well clear. West Ham, poison chalice. Keep well clear. <laughs>